She's been dubbed by President Donald Trump as the EU's tax lady, which hates the US. So what better guest could I wish for as the perfect person to open season two of my YouTube channel and Lights on Europe podcast for you. Obviously, we're talking about Margaret Vestager. Vestager? Vestager? <laughs> I'm sorry for my pronunciation to all of my Danish friends out there. In Brussels, we call her Margaret Vestager. I know it's not correct, but also there's no need to introduce her to any of you. She's the executive vice president of the European Commission in charge of digital age. Her lifelong political career needs no introduction. She's been one of the youngest serving chairwomen and ministers in her country, making it all the way to the very top of the European Commission, as we're now living the golden era for women. She's a big stand for empowerment and bringing much more authenticity and openness to the leadership of the European Union, coupled with very fierce grace and uncompromising attitude in the pursuit of European objectives. So I'm sure you will love this series of questions that she found time to answer on the first day that she got back to office after her break. Don't hesitate to immediately drop your likes, comments underneath this episode and share it with everybody around you who you feel stands for transforming the European leadership, stands for women empowerment, or cares simply about bringing Europe to a next level when it comes to our competitiveness and the way we live together. So enjoy. I have to say that it's the greatest honor to have you as the first guest for season two of, of my podcast because I've been super passionate, as you know, about shining light on the new feminine leadership of Europe. And the first season of Lights in Europe was very much focused on the human story behind the story of the Brussels bubble and who are we, what do we care about, how do the EU carriers actually look. And now that I'm at the beginning of season two, I would really like to drill a bit deeper with uh, changemakers like you looking at what is the inner work that the leaders are doing and that is necessary for them to be able to show up as, uh, as the greatest selves that they are for Europe. So uh, I really appreciate uh, your time. So thanks a lot. No, not at all. You're more than welcome. I was very touched by by what you're doing and, and how engaged you are. I, and I think it's very important um, because if it's not uh, talked about and pointed at, then people will not realize uh, that things are changing. Uh, then all of a sudden we take it for granted without sort of appreciating and without then also making sure that it becomes irreversible. Uh, that the next generation for them, that it is a, a natural thing, of course, why shouldn't I? Uh, but for the generation before me, it was never a natural thing. Uh, there's been so much uh, to do. So no, I, I really like what you do, which is of course why I'm here. So thank you very much for having me. Excellent, excellent. So maybe just to dive deep into this whole concept of feminine leadership, I would be interested to hear from you what it is for you, because you're obviously praised and known for your ability to find that gentle balance between that fierce grace and and really playing the the power play with uh, the the biggest businesses and top politicians out there of the world which require certain skills but at the same time you're also known for being bringing that nourishment and that mothering and listening and kind attitude so 
uh, I find that the, the, really the magical combination of the masculine and feminine, which you're a perfect prototype of. So I would like to understand a little bit better what is it for you and what is your what is that ability for you to be able to tap into one or the other, depending on the circumstances? That, that is an, an excellent point, uh, because it is indeed about uh, all the different sides uh, that you have, feminine sides, or the stereotype feminine sides and the stereotype masculine sides, and not letting yourself be confined in, in either of those. Um, and not being afraid of using uh, both sides. And, and I think you also see that you get a, a more uh, nuanced uh, leadership as such when men uh, also find the courage to be in touch with their female sides. Uh, and this is why I think there are, there are so many good things that will happen when you have diverse leadership. Uh, first, that you get um, uh, uh, sort of um, men and, and women and generations and different backgrounds, uh, and you get so many different uh, minds and different um, um, value judgments uh, coming to the table. But also, I think that for the individual, when you see that people are different and they come with different sides and they're not afraid of using it, that in everyone brings out something very positive. Uh, so I think that the fundamental thing is to uh, overcome the fear that you're not right if you're not male. Uh, and Did you have that? that was, yes, I think everyone has it uh, who is in, in a position where you deal with most males because uh, the message you get when you enter a room is that you're wrong. Uh, and of course, when I was younger, I would dress more formally. Uh, I would be more sort of in, a, in the female version of a suit. Um, because you try to fit in, you say, oh, something is wrong. Uh, they look at me as if I do not belong. Uh, they, they talk in a secret code. Uh, what is it? What, what is it that I do not uh, do uh, right here? Um, and it, it took me quite some time to realize that even when you dress like a man and, and try to speak like a man and you consider taking up golf and getting a hunting certificate, they're never fooled. Uh, you, you're never seen as a man when you try your hardest uh, to fit in. Uh, and the sacrifice in trying to be a man when you're a woman and want to be a woman is of course so much bigger. Uh, but it has taken some time because I think everyone has this very fundamental that you want to fit into a group. And this is why diverse leadership is a challenge both for men and women, because when the group is much more diverse, then it's so much more difficult to find that comfort in fitting in. Yes. And you must immediately be much more yourself. And that is always a challenge when you have to confront yourself. Yes. And to make this a bit more relatable for those who are a couple of steps on the ladder below you and who are trying to figure that play out, can you still remember those moments? When did you do that conversion of realizing that you're losing out on bringing out the best yourself when you're trying to fit in 
in their own way? And how did you discover the new you, which we know now? Can you, do you, do you remember like moments, uh, those tipping points, which made you who you are or certain transformation triggers or, or personal development work or practices that you embraced, which allowed you to get to that new or a different version of you? Click on the link in the description below to find out how did she unleash that leadership that she's admired for today. Practically speaking, if you apply this at the top political level, somebody at the level that you're playing at can, and you've also been judged as committing economic errors, political faults, all kinds of judgments, which can obviously hurt and can unbalance you in whatever you're trying to create how do you deal with this kind of criticism on the one hand on the other and on the other hand the vulnerability and the authenticity that you're trying to bring to the european space and now check out the next episode with an exclusive q a session with her most secret dreams role models and weaknesses that she learned to accept